The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Well, when Jesus came, he turned everything upside down. And um, this made me think of sometimes our expectations and, and what actually happens in reality are something rather different. For example, quite often on the way home from church, we go past McDonald's, and my kids are always like, can we go to McDonald's? Or my youngest actually says, Donald's, Donald's, Donald's. And um, I don't know, let's have the first picture of our wonderful McDonald's burger there. That's what you see in the adverts, isn't it? That's what you want. The, I don't know what that's called. It's not a Whopper, is that Burger King? Big Mac, there we go. Or is that like a double stack thing? Anyway, that's what you're after. It looks delicious. And when you actually get it, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Doesn't look so appetizing. And actually, when you open it up, they usually put like all the filling around the outside. So it's just, like, kind of empty in the middle, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> yeah. And another, I had to share this one. So perhaps you've got a special occasion coming up and you are wanting this fantastic cake. This, this is actually based on a true story, okay? I saw this on Facebook. Someone said, I, my son got engaged. I wanted to have this wonderful cake for my son and this was what I wanted. I gave this to the baker and said, I want something like this. This is what she got. <laughs> I mean, to be quite honest... It kind of looks like a boil. So, and that made the Daily Mail, can you believe it? That was in the Daily Mail. I got this boil cake for my son's engagement party. Um, I mean, yeah, apparently the lady kind of like dropped it off and then just ran away and got in her car. And you can understand why. I mean, clearly that is not her forte. Anyway, so sometimes our expectations are different from our reality. Um, but it doesn't, it's not always negative. Uh, a quick story about um, me and Dan. Dan likes to enter competitions. Why not? If you don't enter them, you might not win. Dan uh, saw something online, you know, win a two-night stay to a hotel with dinner included. Great. Yes, please. So he entered the competition. Hooray! We actually won it. So he sent me the email and said, look what we've won. And I was like, great. Read the name of the hotel. I'm not going to try and pronounce it because it's in French. But... Le Manoir, something, something, which basically means four seasons. What is it? Manor of the Four Seasons. Now, most of us won't have heard of that. That is top-notch, top-notch hotel with a Michelin star um, chef. What's his name? Raymond Blanc. There we go. And um, if you want to stay the night there, for the minimum low-cost room, Minimum is £900 a night. Dan and I managed to bag ourselves one of the main expensive rooms. That uh, I think, did we work out? It was like £52,000 a night. Woohoo! So our expectation was, great, we just won an overnight stay. But actually, in reality, we won two nights in a £2,000 a night stay. The, the bed. I should have had a picture of the bed. 
it was ginormous. I had to get a picture of myself lying across it. Not only that, we got to have a Michelin star dinner as well, included, which was insanely expensive and also insanely tiny, because that's <laughs> what happens, isn't it? The more you pay is what you get. Anyway, you get my point. Sometimes our expectations and our reality don't actually line up. And the Bible is a story, isn't it, about how things went wrong in the beginning. And it's a story of how we're trying to get back to God and how God is trying to get back to us. What we can do to make it right again. And so when Jesus comes, he comes to show us the flaws in the world system or the religious system. And he comes to bring God's kingdom, right? And so the Jews were expecting Jesus to come. They had this expectation of what he would be like. Now, I don't want to compare Jesus to a McDonald's. I don't even want to compare him to Le Manoir. He's even better than that. But the Jews were expecting something <laughs> and Jesus was a different reality. Now, I'm just going to quickly talk about three things that were different to what the Jews expected. The first one is status. What is status? It's kind of like your social position in society. It's made up of things like how rich you are, your background maybe, um, whether you're male or female, all those kind of things. And status. What do you think the status, they expected Jesus' status to be? Well, the Jews had this expectation, didn't they, that a king was coming, someone powerful who would reign and take over all the other kingdoms, which I guess is true. But what was their expectation of a king? Well, you might think someone of noble birth, perhaps a respectable family background, or they might be born into a palace, live in a famous area. They might have a kingly appearance. They might come with their entourage. They might be on a horse. They have servants. And you'd think they would associate with respectable people, those who were deemed good enough for society. Well, I think you can see where I'm going with this. That might be what they were expecting, but what was the reality? Well, okay, he didn't quite have a noble birth, did he? He was born into a stable. He was where all the smelly animals were. Yes, with the cow pat. Yes, with the wee and the straw. Yes, a lowly birth in a stable. He wasn't born in a fancy palace. He was born in a stable. Not only that, his respectable family background, hang on a minute, he was from an unwed mother. Mary was pregnant, wasn't she, outside of marriage. And a stepfather who we don't really know. He wasn't famous, was he? And he, he was just a carpenter. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a scribe. He was a, a just an anybody. So he didn't really have a respectable background either. And he was born in, well, he was born in Bethlehem, but he lived in Nazareth. And we see later on where um, Philip went to go and tell Nathaniel about Jesus. And he said, he's come, he's come. And he's come from Nazareth. And the reply is, Nazareth? Well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, no one's ever heard of that place. What's that about? So he didn't come from somewhere, some famous area. You know, it was just a, a boring old town. His kingly appearance, you know, we talk about Palm Sunday today. Okay, so he didn't come riding in on a war horse, which is what they expected kings to come on. You know, hello, look at my strength. I'm amazing. I'm going to take down the nations. 
No, he came on a humble donkey, showing that he was one of the people. He was humble. He was peaceful. We talk about him having servants. Well, we know that he came to serve us. That picture of him washing the disciples' feet. They're like, you are not worthy, Lord, to even untie my sandals. And he's like, no, give me those horrible, skanky feet, much like my foot down here. Um, <laughs> you know, Jesus took on that humble servant appearance, didn't he? Not only did he not associate with respectable people, I think we know <laughs> he associated with the wrong kinds of people. He spoke to women. <gasps> In those times, you did not do that. And you especially didn't go and talk to a Samaritan woman. And we know that's what he did. He saw a Samaritan woman at the well who had come out in the heat of the day when you're supposed to hide away, but she was trying to avoid everyone else. And he came and he spoke to her saying, no, you are worthy of my attention. You are worthy for me to speak to. And he told her everything she knew about her life. And she went and told everyone. He... Uh, associated with thieves, swindlers, prostitutes, and those deemed unclean. Not the kind of people that you would expect a king to associate with, but he did. So what does this show us? Well, it shows us that Jesus does not care about our status. It is not about that. It doesn't matter how you were born, where you were born. It doesn't matter your family history, your background, your heritage. It doesn't matter your gender. It doesn't matter about your past sins or the label or the stigma that's attached to you. It does not matter. Jesus still wants you. He flipped it upside down. It's not about status. Second one, one of my favorite ones, about ability. You think of Jesus coming, you think, okay, so he's come now. He's going to choose the best of the best people to be around him. In Jewish culture, so this is a bit of a history lesson, okay, guys. When children were growing up, they would be expected to study the Torah. So that's like the first part of our Bible and some other oral laws that they kind of added to it. And all the traditions, that's, that would be what they did. They, they would learn that. They would learn it off by heart. They would learn the scriptures. And then when they got to about 12, only the gifted students were then chosen to go on to the next level of study, okay? So if you're all right, you'd go and do your trade. If you were a gifted, you'd go and do the next level, all right? You'd keep going. And then after, I think it was a couple of years, then only the truly gifted, so the best of the best, those that know all the laws, they know everything, they would be chosen to study and travel with a famous rabbi. And they would be known as a Talmud, which can be translated to disciple. You might see where I'm going with this now. And their goal was to replicate the rabbi that they had to follow. Okay, so they wanted to copy what he did. They learn like he did. If he did this, they do it, you know. And it was a bit like a father and son, a teacher and a disciple relationship. The best of the best were chosen to do that. The cleverest ones, the ones that could remember it all. But when it comes to Jesus, who we know they called rabbi, well, who did he choose? Hmm. What was our expectation of who he would choose? Someone would be the best of the best. The reality? Well, <laughs> who did he choose? We don't know all their professions, the disciples' professions, but we know that a few are fishermen. Yeah. 
So they probably worked antisocial hours, they probably stank of fish. Um, he chose a tax collector, who everyone hated, who probably skimmed a little off the top there. And he chose a thief, we, and someone who would betray him. So we know that Judas, he actually chose Judas to hang around with, but we know that's how the story goes. Um, he wasn't a, a great guy to hang around with. He wasn't the best of the best. Um, these people weren't deemed special. They were just ordinary people. They were not clever. So what does that say about Jesus? It doesn't matter about your ability. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be the most clever, the most gifted. There will always be someone that's more clever than us, more better at something than us. We all have different gifts and talents, isn't it? But it doesn't discount us. It doesn't discount you. It doesn't discount you from your calling or your purpose in life. I heard this said once. Jesus, he doesn't call the qualified, but he qualifies the called. And I think that's important to remember. If you've got a calling on your life, okay, it doesn't matter if you don't know everything. Obviously, you want to try your best. But he doesn't care about that. He, he will qualify you, okay? If he wants you to do something, he'll sort it out for you. Amen? So we've got to remember that it's not about our ability. Where they thought it would be about abilities, it's not. Jesus flipped it upside down. It is not about our abilities. And finally appearances. What was the expectation in that time? Okay, so we think of the Jewish people. You may have heard of the Pharisees. Anyone heard of the Pharisees? Hopefully most people will have heard of the Pharisees. And these guys, they were a group of Jews and they were known for following everything to the letter of the law. They kept all the rules and regulations. They did the things you were supposed to do, prayed, they read, they were seen to help the people. And it kind of reminded me a bit of when I was growing up and you'd go away on these uh, Christian camps and you're like, I'm going to learn about Jesus. I am. I'm also going to just have a little look around the room and see if there's any cute boys around. Come on. That's what teenagers do. Yeah? You wanna, you're keeping your eye out. So you think, okay, what's the best way to impress? Okay, make sure I big the biggest Bible. Yeah, the biggest one, maybe one that looks a bit like, maybe I'll just rough it up a bit because then it looks like I'm definitely reading it all the time. Um, this was a true story. Okay, probably nowadays it's more a bit like, okay, let me check their Instagram or their TikTok. Have they got any like, you know, reels or TikToks of them like saying a scripture or something, you know, check them out, make sure they're cool and holy. No, no one done that. I'm getting a few smiles. You know it, you know it. And this kind of reminded me of the Pharisees, the way they expressed it. Um, <laughs> so there's a verse in Deuteronomy, and it talks about how keeping the scripture close to you, okay? And um, binding it to their foreheads. And this is actually what the Jews did, especially the Pharisees. So they would have these boxes. I meant to write the name down, but I've forgotten. And they would have them on there, and they'd tie them around their head. And they have scriptures in there, okay? So this was a common practice. Might look, might look a bit strange to us now, but to them it's just every day, normal. They're following to the letter of the law. I'm keeping the scripture binded to my head here so everyone can see. Okay, so when we, when we read in Luke 11 and Matthew 23, we see that the Pharisees, they like to just have their big, they like to have the biggest boxes you can possibly have on your head. Let's just show just, 
realized I'm taking this so seriously, I'm going to have a massive one there so everyone can see that I've got it on my head. And not only that, they often had prayer shawls, which had tassels as well. And it talks about how they would make sure they would have the longest tassels they could have. It just shows I know what I'm talking about. I've got these long tassels. And... Um, that's what it was about with the Pharisees. It was about the appearances, what we see on the outside. You know, they kept the rules. They did what was right. You know, and as I mentioned there in Luke 11 and Matthew 23, it's, um, Jesus mentions several points highlighting about the Pharisees and how hypocritical they were. And often it's talked about the woes of the Pharisees. And he talks about all these different things. He says, you know, you, you with your long prayers, you're walking through so everyone sees you. Everyone's making sure they call you rabbi. You're seen to donate. Uh, this just reminded me of that humble bragging. You know, when you're like, oh, guys, I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to bless you. You know, when you kind of see people like, oh, look what I did, especially on social media. That is just the ultimate humble brag sometimes. Look what I've done today, helping these people. You know, okay, yeah, great. It's good to help people. Don't get me wrong. But you can see where I'm going with this. It's not about the appearances, is it? And one thing that Jesus called them, he said, you're like whitewashed tombs. And in those days, they would have these fancy, lovely-looking tombs where they would lay their bodies. And what he's saying is, you look awesome and amazing from the outside. But when you think of a tomb, what is actually on the inside? Well, rotting bones. And that's what you're really like on the inside. So those were the expectations. You had to do everything right on the outside. That is what mattered. But actually, what is the reality? Well, the reality is that the motivation and the intentions, and the inside, the heart, is really what it's about. So you may have the most amazing appearance, you may do all the right things, but actually, if your inside is not right, if your heart attitude is not right, it's just irrelevant. It doesn't matter about the appearances. It is really what is like on the inside. So it got me thinking, okay, so it's not about we've done status, we've done ability, and we've done appearances. And that got me thinking, that's just like today, isn't it? It's all about our status, isn't it? It's about our background, our wealth, our gender. Is it good enough? Is our status good enough? Is our ability good enough? Are we intelligent enough? Um, are we skilled enough? Have we been to the top university? There's nothing wrong with that. But is it all about that? Is it all about our profession and what we can do? What about our appearance? Okay, do we look good enough? You know, have I got the best makeup? Have I got the best hair? What about our charity giving? Is that good enough? Do we come to church enough? Do we do this? Is it good enough? Well, the truth is, we're never going to be good enough. We're never going to be good enough. But that is okay because Jesus came to turn it upside down, didn't he? And Jesus is more than enough. That is all we need. Jesus turned these things. He showed it's not about our status. It's not about our ability. And it's not about the appearances. Jesus flipped that, turned it upside down so that we could come and we could meet with him. And that is what the gospel is about, isn't it? Those expectations <laughs> are completely gone. And that Jesus brought different realities to our life so that we can throw off everything that holds us back and we can come to him. So you may think, oh, I'm not, 
I'm not the most clever. Okay, I've got this sin. Yeah, we need to work on those things. And we, need to, we do need to help people. We do need to think about these things. But we need to know that they are not the most important thing. Amen? Jesus came to turn it upside down. I'm just going to pray. And we're just going to think about what Jesus did. How he turned it all upside down. Everything was the wrong way around to make it the right way around. Everything is all topsy-turvy. Lord, we thank you for everything that you have done for us. Our expectations and the reality are not the same, but you have exceeded everything we can think, Lord. You go beyond what we can think and imagine. Jesus, your love is so beyond our comprehension, what you've done for us, Lord. You should not have to suffer like that, Lord, but you chose that for us, for people, for us who are still sinners, and we still do things wrong. And we still sometimes think about the world systems and the religious systems, and we get caught up in those. But actually, it's about your kingdom, Lord. It's about how you see us. We may not be the cleverest. We may not be the most beautiful. It doesn't matter. You love us just as we are, Lord. And we thank you for everything you have done for us, Lord. And we choose to worship you. We choose to do that. Lord, show us in our lives where we sometimes get stuck on those things that are not important and help us throw those off, Lord, and focus on who you are, Lord. Because when we focus on you, you show us who we truly are. You think we're amazing. We're the apple of your eye, Lord. We are outrageously loved by you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.